Hi and welcome. You are listening to Lift and I am your host, Jen. Lift is all the things from love, inspire, fitness, and trust. These are the things that motivate me to be a better person and to do better. Follow me through my journey as I interview mentors of mine, entrepreneurs and business owners, fitness experts, mental health professionals, friends that have overcome addictions and life struggles. Hopefully this will be a place of solitude and relaxation as you follow me through my journey. So sit back, relax, take a listen, and thanks for following me. to lift, love, inspire, fitness, and trust. I am your host, Jen, and I'm so glad you're here, especially today. This is going to be such a uh, great, really, really special episode um, for me, and this is a guest that I have been trying to get uh, on since I started my podcast, and we had some technical issues. We met out in the park with my one microphone a few months ago before Christmas, and um, anyway, this is a very dear friend of mine. She's a friend, but I, I also call her a mentor just because I try to follow anything this girl does and says. Um, she is just all the things that I inspire to be, and um, I'm so excited <laughs> to have her on today. This is my friend, Leslie. Leslie, how are you? Hi, I'm fantastic. I'm wonderful, Jen. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am so excited to do this, and you are so kind to be back. We recorded uh, in the park with my one microphone, like when I first started this, and I really didn't know what I was doing, and I was nervous, and you know, I'm kind of glad that it didn't work out, because now I kind of know a little bit of what I'm doing, and you know, now we've had time to think about it and what we're going to talk about, but um, man, you... I don't know why I want to tear up, but I, um, you know, I, I wrote down just the things that I think you are. You're, you know, you're, you're a wife, you're a mom, you're a breast cancer survivor. I call you an athlete because girlfriend, you are, you do every workout known to man. <laughs> You've got me. Uh, oh my gosh. You, you have inspired me through COVID. That's a whole other thing that we'll go on about, but you're a runner, you're, um, you're a teacher I, because your kids are at home doing the virtual learning and you're just all the things. Um, and I love you. We were just talking about a girl crush and you are my number one girl crush. Okay. <laughs> That's why I wanted to have you on here to tell you that. <laughs> we oh, me up, like, give me a little background on you and and where you where you come from and really how have you been during COVID too um give me kind of the lowdown yeah um well uh I was born outside of Philadelphia Pennsylvania I grew up in Wynwood um I had a wonderful childhood. You know, my, my older sister and I in particular joke, like when we think back on it, it, it seems like everything was just, you know, pretty perfect. Um, and certainly it wasn't, you know, we, we had um, a brother and a sister who, who died. Um, you know, my mom had breast cancer. I had health challenges as a child. Um, we had lots of life things, but, but we had a really wonderful, um, home life. Um, I went to school in Charleston, South Carolina. And after I graduated from there, I moved to Europe, spent a couple of years in Europe. And then I moved back to Pennsylvania. Um, I stayed there for a couple of years and, um, and then I fell in love with my husband. And on our first date, he said, you know, I'm so excited to see where things are going to go with you. But I feel like I need to tell you um, that I have this job offer in Atlanta that I'm really excited about. And before we even had dinner on our first date, I said, okay, then I'll move to Atlanta. And, and that's what we did. That was in March. That May, we drove him down here. And then in August, I moved, and every weekend from May to August, we flew back and forth. 
That's incredible. You had told me, you told me that story before and oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. That yeah. just shows like what, well, the instant connection that you had to have with him, but for you just to say, that shows what balls you have too. <laughs> like that was very ballsy to be like, <laughs> okay, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> it was, it was. I moved here in August and we bought our house in September. I mean, it was, it's it just, you know, when you're, when you're looking at your forever, like you just want to, to get it going. Yeah. And I, I knew that he was my forever. That was in 2006. So I think we did the right thing. Wow. I love it. And you've got two kids, right? We do. We have a son who's 10 and a daughter who's eight going on 18. <laughs> Yes, I know how that is. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, girls are very different than boys. And um, I, oh my God, we could get started on so much stuff. But when we go down, so first off, let me just tell you, and I've, I've, I know you know this, but during COVID, our connection has become so strong. I mean, we knew each other before and we've known each other probably for, I guess, two and a half, three years. But um, during COVID, you have been like my little lifeline on the other end of a Zoom or the other end of a telephone. You got me connected with, you know, in the very first part of COVID, you got me connected with Solid Core, the workouts at home, which really changed my morning time routine. And I don't know. We've just had this really great connection. And, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about, you know, the whole spiritual journey, your spiritual journey, your journey, period. And it's just one of those that I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, just sign me up. I want to follow this. Like, um, I know. First off, let's start talking about a little bit about your your exercise routine and what it means to you. I think we're kind of on the same page as that. You're a runner. You, you've always, you were, you started running when you were young, correct? I did. I did. I started running really with my dad. My dad was a runner and I, I remember you know, running with him before school. Like he, he would wake up before work and go run. And um, that became a really special outlet for me to spend one-on-one -on -one time with him. Um, and that was, you know, when, when I think of like my running journey, it, it's absolutely, it was because of him that it started. I mean, I, I was playing sports then, you know, I, I think I've always played sports, um, but I hadn't thought about, you know, I had never thought about being like a distance runner at the time um, or really running for fun. It was always, I ran for my sport. Um, so the time with him changed that. God, how special that was. And you, do you exercise now for your mental, is it more mental than it is like the physical part of it now? I mean, you might've already been like that, but is it a, like a hundred percent? hundred percent. And that's really evolved. I mean, I think, um, you know, like in full disclosure, if I'm going to say I'm going to be 100% transparent in this little podcast that we're doing in high school, I was, um, you know, athletics had always been a huge part of my life. So, so I was always, you know, um, either playing a sport or working out or doing whatever it may be, but I got very wrapped up in body image um, and definitely battled with anorexia. Um, and I think from that young age of being like newly minted a teenager through probably within the last, I don't know, couple of weeks, you know, it, it's just not a couple of weeks really, but longer than that, but it just, it, it has evolved where it's no longer, um, it's no longer about like the form that my body takes, right. It, but it's very much a, a way for me to be in touch with, like, be in touch with who I am on the inside and be in touch with what this body can do. You know, you see me post a lot. My, my cousin, Danielle, started, um, like, a, I don't even know what to call it. I guess a fitness boutique type place. It's called Rev. Um, and her tagline was healthy, strong, alive. 
Um, and she says, and she, she does these boot camps now and, and I do it on Zoom. And she always reminds the people like you are healthy, you have a strong body and you are so lucky to be alive. And my workouts now have really become more of a celebration of that than like tightening and toning and tucking and all that bullshit. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. See that, that right there. It's, it's like, yeah, all the same things. And I was, you probably heard the same podcast, but I was recently listening to a podcast where they were talking about like, you know, working out to take care of like your organs and your, your heart. And these are the things like your heart has been pumping your body for, you know, my 43 years and you're taking care of, of this thing. And I never, up until a few years ago, you know, it's when I started getting really healthy and mentally healthy is when I started loving my body. Um, where I've shared about it on here a lot, just, you know, my workouts used to be because of what I drank and what I ate the night before. Right. I was obsessive. Absolutely. It's like you punish yourself for having a cookie or, you know, like that cookie is, you know, X amount of calories. And so then tomorrow I'll do this. Like, no, I'm not, I'm too old for that. I'm 42. (laughs) I'm not doing that. Like I refuse. And you know, I know you and I've had this conversation, but like we're both raising daughters. You know, and they're watching us. Yeah. And, you know, your girls are a little bit older than Caitlin, but but not by much. And it's just such, the world has thrown so many, um, you know, ideas at them of what they should be and what they should look like and how they should, you know, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. I, I want her to honor who she is and what she likes. And, you know, um, I think it starts with me. And that's been a hard transition, you know, it's been like, you know, the the whole like knowing how many calories are in something and does that change the way that I like enjoy it? Like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to be, oh, what's the right word? I don't know. I I don't want to be like ruled by that. Right. And I didn't tell you this, but I don't think I told you this, but I recently I recently went on like a low sugar, low carb thing um, just because I, I quit eating. I just stopped doing the vegetarian thing and I kind of wanted a little shift and like to challenge my body and see if I could get off the sugar. And I was so that those like 28 days that I did that, I went into this weird, not like old habits, but I went into like kind of a depressed state. Like, first of all, I wasn't getting the right food. I was eating some yucky like meat, like chicken wings and stuff that I haven't eaten in, you know, two years. But I just went into this weird, like I was depriving my body in a way. And I thank God I snapped out of it. Um, because you know how I, we think we, we sure. I get obsessive about stuff. And anyway, it just was, I'm, I'm glad that that happened because now I almost respect my body even more because I was really, my workouts weren't the same. I wasn't able to get like my hard workouts in and it was a really funky 28 days. But now that I'm off of that, I'm like, man, now that my heads are out of the cloud, it's like, I, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a whole different thing. And for my kids to see that, you know, I don't even like to mention anything about diet or food or, you know, have anything like that in the house, um, any kind of talk like that. But anyway, um, our spiritual journey is, is, you know, um, a lot alike. And like I said, I just admire you on this this path that you're on. And I know a lot of things have led up to kind of where you are today. Um, you know, you're a breast cancer survivor. Um, you did go through all of that, which just that story alone. I mean, we could talk forever on that. It's such a beautiful story, but tell me a little bit about that. Like when you were diagnosed and how that filled into your, your life and how it affects you today. Sure. Um, 
Well, to start at the beginning, um, my mom was diagnosed with premenopausal breast cancer when she was 46, um, and that was my junior year of high school. Um, and she had a surgery, and she went through treatment, and that was like our kind of our introduction um, to cancer. And then um, she, you know, she came through that. She did great. Um, and her, her cancer actually came back my freshman year of college. So just two years later. Um, and, and so when it metastasizes, it's stage four then. And the fact that she's here and thriving is, is really just amazing. Um, but that was the start of my family history that, that I knew of. Um, and then many years later, my older sister, who's four years older than I am, out of the blue, was diagnosed with cancer. Like, no, she actually missed what she had set up to be her first mammogram and thought, oh, yeah, I, I need to do that. Um, and when she went for her first mammogram, they said, you have cancer. So... Knowing that she had premenopause, and that it, it matters that it's premenopausal. She had it. My mom had it. She went ahead and did genetic testing, um, and when she got her results, it said that she had an abnormality on two different um, genetic markers. Um, and so, since she had those, I went ahead and did the genetic testing. Which actually, she really like held my hand and drove that whole process for me. Um, but. I have the same two genetic mutations that she does. So we found out when I was, um, she was 37. So I was 33-ish, I guess, um, right around there, 33, 34. Um, and so I started seeing a, a breast specialist every six months, alternating between a mammogram and ultrasound and doing MRIs and all sorts of stuff. Um, and it was fine. It was always fine. And every time I went, I would, I, I would say to the doctor, like, I know that I can prophylactically have surgery. I don't want to do that. I, you know, we had James and then we had Caitlin and we want to have more kids. And I don't want to like, you know, do this major surgery, but at the same time, I really don't want to get cancer. Like, what do I do? I wanted somebody to tell me what to do. And of course they can't. Um, and I had many conversations with my husband about it and we just decided, you know what, we're just going to stay on top of this. We're going to stay on top of the, the, um, the tests and mammograms and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I did, I mean, I, I didn't miss any of my tests. Um, but then one day they said, you know what, we, we think we see something. We'd like to get a closer look. We want you to come in for, for a biopsy. Um, they said, we only, we don't worry unless it's, new or it's clustered and in your case right now it's both mm. so we went in for a biopsy um and it was cancer and fortunately we caught it really really early um I already knew because of my mom and my sister like I had already been thinking if I'm diagnosed what am I going to do you know what would my plan be and it would be just get rid of the breast altogether do a bilateral mastectomy have reconstruction just be done with it um, and that's what I did. Um, I was diagnosed actually this, this Monday will be five years since my diagnosis. Um, yeah. And, um, I, so I went ahead with the bilateral mastectomy and it turns out that I actually had a primary cancer in both breasts and the test had only detected it in one. Um, so as it turns out, I made the right decision uh, in, in just taking care of all of it. And that was actually my sister's same story was that it was only detected in one and she had it in both. So she and I obviously have a really, um, pretty identical genetic makeup. Yeah. And your sister had gone through it before you, a few years before you. So you yeah. kind of knew, you knew what to expect through her or you had her so, as kind of a guide. I mean, like, you can't even imagine. So she, yes, she would be like, now, what appointments do you have today? And what doctor? And who are, you know, what are you asking? And tell them this. And, like, she had laid out for me our our history, our, you know, just all the information you could. Wow. You can't even imagine how 
valuable um, she was to me, and of course she is, but, you know, and, and then that's just the surgery part. And then there's the going into chemo. And she had taken like copious notes of, of chemo and, you know, this is how I felt. And like six hours after the first infusion, this is what you're going to feel. And then by day three, you know, so um, I knew exactly what to expect. She had set me up with what we call like a, a chemotherapy um, medicine cabinet. So she told me all of the things that I was going to need. Um, and, and so I just kind of had to walk through it. And how long was that process? Um, well, I was diagnosed in February and then I had my surgery in March. I started chemo in May. Um, and I finished chemo, I don't know, in the end of August. Wow. I think. You know, when, I you think that's right. when you were telling me the story, like around Christmas, when we first did this, um, I, I had had a mammogram like when I was 37 or 38, but I guess after 40 or before 40, they don't really push you to do it. And then I'd switch mm-hmm. doctors. Um, but I went and got one um, soon after that on my next physical. So I I was glad to have you as a reminder because I don't think a lot of women, you know, if they've never had any, you know, streak of worry yeah. with cancer or anything in the family, um, I, I, like me, I just really wouldn't think about it, you know. Um, but wow, like how did that so you had two small kids at the time. You were here, did, yeah, married and two so, small kids. So James had just turned five, right? No, James is like almost six, actually, and Caitlin was four. I so, just, whoa! I mean, and or you three. were, yeah, and you were talking about your husband, husband being just major, major support. Um, and you had that support system, but I just can't imagine you ever being, were you like mentally down or were you mentally like your hopes were big during that time and, and you just stayed mentally healthy or were, did you have some downtime, you know, down depression that went along with that? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I necessarily had any depression, but I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of physical pain. I actually, there was a component of my treatment that I was allergic to. And I mean, it makes me laugh now, but it's not funny because like I would wake up with these rashes and and have this, I mean, it, it, I remember saying it feels like my bones are shattering from the inside. And you know that it's going to happen. And you know each time that you go for an infusion, you're going to get this shot and you're allergic to it. And so you're going to have a rash and you're going to have the pain. And it's just like mentally preparing yourself for that. So there were definitely times where I was just like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, I I just want it to be tomorrow. Like tomorrow will be a better day. I remember saying, like friends would call and say, how are you? And I'd say, today is not my day, but I bet tomorrow will be. but then also I felt really comfortable like with my husband and my sister and my parents and you know my family just being like holy shit this sucks this is so hard this hurts so badly um but um you know the the other like big part of my story is uh is my sobriety story and the two of my stories really do uh intermingle in that I had gotten sober about six months before my diagnosis. And because of that, I had started down this path um, of really finding something bigger than me, finding something that I could kind of turn my fears and my worries and, and all of that over to. Um, Because prior to that, I had been like really paralyzed by my fear. Um, And I don't think it's, you know, <laughs> I don't think it's any mistake that I got sober first. First of all, had I not gotten sober, there's a good chance I wouldn't have found the cancer, right? Like leading up to to the 
event that got me sober, um, we really wanted a third baby. And if I had gotten pregnant, I wouldn't have been going for those tests. And if I had been nursing, I couldn't have been going for those tests. Um, and so it, it seems, you know, there are no mistakes in God's world. And the timing of it was just really kind of divinely inspired in that I had some time to do some soul searching prior to this diagnosis. And when I was diagnosed, I didn't have to say, you know, why is this happening? Why me? Why aren't we going to be able to have this baby? Like any of that stuff. It was just like, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. Um, you know, and I always say that the day after my diagnosis, I went for a run that morning. Um, and I just talked to God and I just said, you know, carry me through this. Please just carry me through this. Like I had all the faith in the world that I was going to get through it. Right. I didn't have to question that. Um, but I just didn't know exactly how. <laughs> and as soon as the words came out, I was like, you know what? Wait, hang on. Don't carry me. Like put me down. Just, just hold my hand. Just walk me through this and, and we'll get through it. And I had been a complete and total train wreck. It, you know, prior to getting sober. And I overheard my husband saying after my diagnosis, like she's never been more physically, mentally, or spiritually fit for this. And when I heard that, wow. it was just like, we'll, we'll do yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And he, you know, he was just amazing. He took care of, he was starting a business. He had been traveling all the time, so he was taking care of his business. He was taking care of me. He was taking care of the kids and the house and just absolutely everything. Um, and he was scared during all of it, too, you know, and he was having to see me in pain and, and still just hold it all together and be this really a beacon of hope. Um, he was amazing. He was absolutely everything I could have ever hoped for in, in a partner um, in having to, to walk that journey. He and I do crises incredibly well, <laughs> really, really well. <laughs> you have, that, that makes for an awesome relationship too. I, I'm, you know, I've always, so one of the first time I've met you, you know, I've talked about this before. You just walk into a room and I think the first few months I was like, man, damn, that bitch, man. <laughs> <laughs> you light up, the whole room lights up. People are like, Leslie, Leslie. Oh my God, I love Leslie. And, you know, before I really knew you, I was like, man, I want what she has. But a good friend of ours, uh, before I really knew you, uh, he would always say like, oh, that's Leslie. Yeah, she she stayed sober after finding out that she had cancer. And it's like, what? You know, <laughs> um, and I've never, so with you telling that story, it just, oh, I mean, I can see how that was so meant to be that, that your higher power put you in that spot and gave you six months of having that sober time before you found out this news. It's just like, whoa, if that is not, if that is not something right there that just makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I, um, when I picked up my, I know you've heard this story, but when I picked up my year check, you know, I was bald and felt like my skin was gray and I was so sick and I remember talking to my sponsor about like am I even going to go to the meeting because I was just feeling so sick and you you know I could have I could have gone on a different day but it was really important to me that I that I'd be able to make it and um and I went and she presented me with, with a medallion you know to to represent that year and I just I remember saying you know this has been the best year of my life and it had everything to do with, um, well, obviously with being sober, but, um, with having had the, the opportunity to like start down this spiritual path and, and to, to like finally meet me, you know, to, to work through all of the, the crap that had just been, um, I guess shoved down, um, 
you know, and, and silence with the drink and, and to be able to show up as like this, this real person, this, this authentic person, like the good, the bad, the, all of it. This is me. This is who I am. Um, it's amazing. Like that, you know, when I think back to that first year, like, God, it was so hard. And then to have that cancer on top of it. And like, but it was like the most amazing year. I, I would not have, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't have done it a different way. You know, when people say, God, you stayed sober through that. Like, that. so sick. Like, I couldn't even say, I, I, I honestly, my heart goes out to the people who don't, um, who either haven't found the room, you know, or relapse after they get that, um, that diagnosis and, and who, who have to drink through it. Um, because I just can't imagine that extra added layer um to the whole the whole scenario oh gosh i know that's amazing so the spiritual journey is just um i can't even talk about it without i don't know why i'm emotional <laughs> it's that um it's like a, it, it's just that rebirth you know it's to me it, i've been saying that a lot lately it's like a rebirth when you have that connection um, with that spiritual growth and everything that comes along with that, it's like, you know, knock on wood, I, I haven't been through horrible, a horrible situation or, you know, but I've been through some bad things and, you know, everybody's bad things and rock bottoms and looks differently. Um, but, you know, when you have that spiritual thing that you have that you have and that you show to so many it's like no matter what gets in your path you know that you're going to be okay and you know I have recently discovered that and when you discover that and when you believe that it's like it is it's a rebirth you know and um it's such uh gosh it's such a beautiful thing and um and then you get to like radiate that to other people, you know, I mean, like you do to me and you do to so many women. Um, so anyway, I don't, I don't want to get too deep, but we'll take it as, you know, far as you want to go with that. But that's just so beautiful that you had those two major things that really kind of shaped you and shaped your path and shaped you as a mother and all these things, the wife, the breast cancer survivor, the, the way you work out. I know that you dedicate, you know, all of that to just the way that you live now. And, you know, kind of tell me about that too. What, did, what is your, I know you're crazy busy, but what is your typical day? I know you have some really strict routines um, that you've told me about and that I've incorporated in my life that I can't live without now. But tell me a little bit of like maybe your like top five routines that you do every day that you try to not get off course with for yourself. Um, yeah, okay. So, I mean, I think every day starts with a workout for me. It's, it's easiest, you know, with all those hats that you, that you talk about, I, it's best for me to just get up and get it done. And that was really, you know, again, that goes back to starting with my dad when I was much younger. Like then I went to college and I rode crew. They, we worked out at five thirty in the morning. We had to be on the river. Um, and then David and I met, you know, we were both training for a marathon when we met and we would wake up every morning and run, um, and so that, you know, that kind of like wake up and go mentality has just been who I am yeah. forever. Um, and it's just what, it's what feels best to me. Um, so when I, when I don't do that, it's like the, the rest of the day just feels a little bit off. Yeah. Um, and as far as the workouts, I, I like to vary them, right? Like, so I do, I do run a lot. I do solid core, um, I've just found this new yoga sculpt that my cousin introduced me to. So I do that on Sundays. I do my cousin's boot camp. Um, so I like to do just different things again to just, um, you know, just celebrate all the different ways that I can move and honor my, my body. Uh, 
and it feels good mentally to me to be able to do, you know, various activities. Um, I find like running can be very meditative for me where, you know, I go out maybe with something on my mind and by the time I come back, it's all been worked out and it's fine. Or sometimes I just pray the whole time. Like I just have this long conversation with God or sometimes I'm listening to a a podcast or a speaker tape or whatever it may be. It's just, it's, I, I love that time. Um, and I'm willing to get up early in the morning to carve out that time for myself. Um, I always go to meetings. Um, I really love to start my day, you know, with, with a meeting. It seems that that dose of serenity is, is a really, um, great way to, to send me off into the world. Yes. <laughs> Just a little bit calmer. Um, and then of course there's, you know, there's the time set aside for prayer and, and for meditation and for readings and, um, and then we're kind of into the work day. And, and like you said, my kids are home from school right now. Um, David has heart disease. He's had five heart attacks and, you know, by the grace of God, the last one was in 2011 um, we'd like to keep it that way. So we're pretty, pretty well cocooned. Um, but our kids are home and that definitely is an added, an added layer of just calamity. Yes. <laughs> I yes. mean, not really, that's, that's a little bit, um, of an exaggeration, but it, it is, you know, they're even on zoom, they're on different schedules. They have breaks at different times. So it's like one goes up to have a snack while the other one's going back to class. And, um, it's just, it, it's, it's like herding cats when they're, when they're in school, uh, they're off on Wednesdays. So that's fantastic. And we're just doing the best. I think everybody's just doing the best they can, you know? Has it been a very, um, has COVID been like a big learning step for you? Kind of like a, um, you know, everybody that I've talked to is like, I'm, it's changed me. Like most everybody I've talked to, it's changed them for the better, but I also work in a mental health private practice and we've never been busier. This is the busiest we've ever been because people are also depressed and isolating and, you know, whatever addictions are coming back and things like that. But a lot of people like you um, have taken this COVID thing and it's been an, a learning experience and a positive thing it's brought everybody kind of because your entire family has been home right your husband's home mm-hmm. and your well, kids and you're working from home right exactly so we're really incredibly fortunate in that we were set up for this I have an office in our house he has an office in our house um we had a room that we were able to repurpose as the school room um then we had to make some adjustments to that because turns out the two kids didn't do well together in school, in their own room. Um, but so everybody has their space, you know, um, which I know we're so lucky that we have that. And yeah, I mean, as far as COVID is concerned, there are obviously things that I desperately miss. I'm very much a social person. I love being with my people in person. I love hugging. I love, you know, just like physical contact. Um, But I also, I don't know. It's like, I think I'm more okay than some other people that I, that I know are struggling. Um, I had last summer, last June, I had a, a particularly tough time for me. Um, I've never really suffered from anxiety or uh, panic attacks or depression, like clinical, any of that stuff. Um, but I just remember being, I got, I got into this thought process of like, we're never getting out of this. It's yeah. always going to be like this. And as soon as I can hear myself saying never or always, I know I'm, I've gone you're, super far left. Yes. You know what I mean? Like bring it back words. to center, Leslie. And, and my husband was amazing. I mean, one night I was in bed already and he just came in and he knelt down beside me and he said, okay, Les, listen, 
when you're feeling this way, like, and he just walked me through some, some tools and you know, I don't, the man is like the man, the myth, the legend. I don't know where he comes up with everything that he does, but he, any problem that I've had, he just has a solution. Like I know he's, he's always been solution oriented, but for him to like just whip out things to do when you're feeling like this, this panic, this overwhelmed feeling, um, you know, and, and some of it was just like breathing techniques or um, grounding techniques. And, you know, the next day I got up and I made a list of like, okay, what are all my fears? Because I know I'm fear driven. And then on the other side of the page, I wrote down, what can I do about it? Mm. Right. And some of them looking back on it, this was in June. Some of those things have happened. None of the like major catastrophe things, thank goodness. Um, but some of the things that I was afraid of in June have happened and I'm here. We're fine. Everybody's fine. Like it's, it's okay. And, and so to have these tools, um, for me has really been, you know, just an incredible saving grace. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh, those tools, what you're talking about is I get a little ahead of myself or like, I want to share those tools with everybody. <laughs> I do too. My, my dad's always so, you know, so amazingly supportive and he will try anything that I tell him to, but my mom's like, ah, just ah, enough with it, you know, and yeah. I go to them first, but yeah, these tools are Man, my toolbox, <laughs> it is, it's, I wish every woman could, you know, have some of these tools that, you know, um, we're taught to have, but anyway, yeah, it's been a big, I know you're good about staying in the moment and staying in the day and, you know, I've got a problem with future tripping and like, like you were saying when you were sitting on the bed and you were like, Oh my God, you know, this is it. This is the end. And just like future tripping. And then I worry and I worry and I live in this fear of all those things that I'm future tripping about. And then, you know, I don't know, probably 90% of them never happen. Right. Or if they do, like you said, some of those things happen, but they end up not even being like a thing. Like it, exactly. It, it happens and then you're kind of going through it and you deal with it and then it's never as bad as it freaking is in my head <laughs> you think exactly. after years I would get that but it, it's still it's something that you know I struggle with and it's something that I'm practicing um but um god it's and you you've said so many phenomenal things that that have guided me and helped me with those tools and to sharpen those tools. But um, that's why I call you a mentor because you just, you, you have a way like your husband does to you. You have a way to women that's like, okay, like this is how it's going to be. <laughs> this is the solution. Um, do you try to stay in the solution? Uh, like most of the time you are a solution based woman. <laughs> Or is it, I'm, I'm, that's, that's learning, you know, I'm, I'm learning about that. Um, it's, it's certainly something to work on. It's, um, I live with the most phenomenal teacher that I know of in terms of um, being solution oriented, you know, and I remember years ago him saying like, let stop telling me why it can't work and tell me how it can, <laughs> you know, like, let's figure out a way to, to get to make it work, whatever, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, that is certainly something that I strive for because, you know, it's funny, you mentioned worry. I, I heard one time and it just like hit me like a ton of bricks that worrying is like paying interest on a debt that may never be collected. Uh, and that's the thing that, you know, when, when I worry about something and I'm future tripping about something, like I'm, I'm only just taking away from right now, from today, from whatever it is. And what I am able to do now is to say like, okay, today, you know, on, on this particular day and this particular date, like 
everything's okay. My life is okay. I am actually, I am actually great, you know, and, um, and it's okay to be great too. Like it's okay to not be suffering right now. Um, and if I can do that, if I can stay in the now and I can stay in the, like, I don't actually have any problems right now. Sure. There are things that I wish for. I wish I could see my family, you know, and, and, and I could go on with some other wishes, but, but that's like, it's still really good today. Um, and so if I just stay in that little area, I'm really good. Yeah. Staying in and that- I'm able to be a better service to everyone around me too. When I stay there, you know, it, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help my husband. It doesn't help my kids or me or, you know, anybody that is interacting with me throughout the day. If I'm just, if I'm just full of fear, if I'm just worrying about things, if I'm, you know, if I'm anywhere, but, but right here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you're talking about service. I mean, you are so big on like service work and being of service to so many. And I'm learning now, um, you know, after a few years that service is where I am completely out of myself and where I find my, you know, that spiritual, I think you were talking about it the other day, like that spiritual fullness, like being Mm -hmm. full, like to the max. And that is where I find my max uh, inside of me, fulfillment, complete fulfillment. You know, I I think I've shared with you that, you know, I wake up in the morning and I've got 20 problems on my head from the time I go get out of my, go to the bathroom, come downstairs, make my coffee, go walk my dogs. Like I've conjured up like 20 things swirling around in my head. And they're all pertain to me, you know, it's like, what about my work? What about the, my kid? You know, it's like me, 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 me problems that I've created. Um, it's the minute that I can get out of myself and, you know, prayer and meditation is a big part of that. And I know that's a big part mm-hmm. of your toolbox too, but, but being in service for somebody else, I used to think that meant like going down to the food, to the soup kitchen downtown and like serving dinner on Thanksgiving or something like I thought service meant like these big things I had to do and people like you have taught me that you know no it's not about that it's just being in service to someone else getting out of yourself making a telephone call um you know helping somebody else you know taking food to somebody I mean it it's really simple things that just can change my whole world. Are you, are, do you feel that way with, are you completely filled um, when you're in service, when you're helping somebody else, when you're out of yourself? Yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, <clears throat> there's nothing more gratifying in my life, um, you know, and a big part of, of service um, is is sponsorship, you know, and, and I equate that to women who um, who have children. Like I always say that when I started working with other women, it was when I realized how, like my relationship with my sponsor took on a new meaning when I started working with other women. And, and I equate that to like, when you have your own child, it's like, you realize then how much your parents loved you. You know, it's like that light bulb goes off and you're like, Oh, I understand. Um, and, and you know, whenever I have the opportunity, I always, I, I'd love to put my, my phone number or my, um, email address or whatever it is in, in the, in the chat to say like, I'm available, you know, use me. Somebody said that to me the other day, use me. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's exactly it. Like that's, that's what we're doing. You know, we have this incredible community and we're all just like walking each other home. And if I can help you today, thank you for letting me be of service to you. You know, the, my, my first like 
thought in the morning when I'm laying in bed is just, God, like, show me who to serve today. Show me how to show up and be of service. Like, just, I will look for the signs. I will do my best to follow. Just, just help guide me along the way. Um, and then that's what I've set out to do is just go through the day looking for ways to be of service. And it's not always another person, um, you know, who's, who's suffering the way that I suffered. Um, but it may be just somebody at the gas station or in the grocery store or whatever it may be, but just being able to leave somebody better than they were before that interaction. And that might just be a quick conversation with the person at the deli counter, like who knows, but I'm just looking for ways to, um, to give as opposed to just constantly taking. You are, let me just tell you this. And I, I don't, I know I've told you this a hundred times, but you are, you are that person. You are that woman. You are, we, you know, that's why I always say like, keep on shining your light and you're so refreshing because I don't know, maybe I just haven't been around long enough or I haven't seen it, but I just don't see enough women supporting other women, like where they are completely out of themselves, where they don't need anything or want anything in return. They're just really wanting to help their fellow person and to be, that's a being of service, right? It's like, no matter what that looks like, if it's somebody that just needs help or if it's somebody in the grocery store that needs a smile or if it's somebody, you know, and, and that is what I'm trying to teach my girls because everything mm -hmm. is so competitive and going back to like the body image and the fitness and the beauty and the looks and all of that stuff. It's like, that's not what it's about. It's, it's being confident I guess a lot of that is the confidence thing too. You know, you have to be pretty confident as a, as women to really like set, set aside your needs and every, everything for yourself and like your problems and, and hand it over to somebody else to be of service. Right. That takes a lot. That, that's why like, you know, when I was talking about when I first saw you, I, I mean, my first initial thought was like, bitch, you know, God, look at her. Who does she think she is? I mean, of course, I would never say that to you. And I didn't really mean it. That's my first initial was my first because I was really insecure. And I thought I like knew everything. And, you know, I was just in that, you know, that, that place in my life where sure. I, I had a lot of, you know, moving parts and digging myself out of, you know, the depression and all of that stuff, but I was really insecure and, and to have, you know, somebody like you that is just there with no intention to do for anything, just to be of service. Um, I think that's just the key. That's the key to that fulfillment, to that happiness. Cause when you have that, you're right. Everything else just kind of falls into place. It's like your day is, you know, you're not future tripping and, and you're, it takes that gratitude of what you have to a different level. If that makes sense. It does. It makes complete sense. And you know, Jen, you're talking about like me setting aside my needs. I don't really have needs. Like, mm. you know, so my husband and I have always from, from like day one, we have always, um, well, aside from my alcoholic days, <laughs> but we've put each other's needs ahead of our own, right? So like, I've always been concerned with taking care of him and he's concerned with taking care of me. So like, we've had this relationship where I feel, I feel like secure and, and comforted and loved and protected and like, Outside of that, I mean, is there anything else? And so because of that, and because he is willing to um, always give me time and space to go for a run or go meditate or go grab, you know, go jump on a meeting or like whatever it is. And, and I'm willing to do the same for him. Like our, our home life is, is incredible. And when you have that, that foundation, it's like, 
I really don't have any other needs. And so that frees me up to just be of service. And, and I want to say like, the ideas that I've expressed and the things that I do, they're not, none of them come from me. They're not Leslie, right? They're, they're things that I have heard other women and, and men share um, and, and say, you know, I started doing this and it worked for me. And so I'm like, oh, let me try that on and see if it fits, you know? Um, so, so it's really all just a big, like, mishmash of, of the people that I, Keep in company. Yeah. Keep, in, oh. keep company with whatever, however, you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. That freedom for me came um, when I stopped trying to do it my way. I know you've heard mm. that, you know. <laughs> Turn that shit over. <laughs> Turn that shit over. Turn it over. Turn it over. Turn it over. Turn it over. Yeah. I thought you were going to me. Yeah. <laughs> when I freaking stopped trying to do it my way, oh my God, it just, things just started it, it, it didn't click immediately but when I gave up my way of thinking like I had to erase the data in my head and follow you know that that's why you you and my network of people are so crucial to me because you guys are shining the light and um it's when I start thinking when I start thinking, damn it, you know what friend always tells us? You know, that stinking thinking. That stinking thinking, and this is not a freaking think tank. Like, when right. I start thinking, it's when I'm in freaking trouble. That's when, like, those 20 things that I wake up in my head just add on throughout the day, and then there's 30, and then there's 40. And then, right. Yeah. Um, Stop the thinking. Just get into action. Go. Go do yes. something. You know? And Freedom. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm like flushed. I'm my head is like, <laughs> I told you I'm drinking a little bit of my Red Bull. Um, but I, we could go on forever about this and with this whole conversation right here. And I just, I don't know. I, I wake up so freaking happy almost every day and you're a huge part of that and uh, you know a lot of other people that are in our life and I am just forever ever ever grateful for that I'm just it is it's freedom when you get there it's complete um it's it's just a beautiful thing you know my my daughters I I don't I keep on rambling but we watch Wizard of Oz that's a big movie in our house that my girls have watched since they were babies but um you know when Dorothy is in that shit storm, the tornado is in her house and it's in black and white. And then she opens the door to her house and um, she, the, it, the scene goes into the color, you know, the color scene and the flowers are everywhere. I know that's so cheesy, but that's the way that my, my life is today. And you are just when I know that's how you live. And I know that you live in complete color today. And you're just like, shining that color <laughs> you're throwing that glitter on everybody Bingling confetti. <laughs> as you run down atlanta road it's so funny it's like when i'm going to work sometimes i say there you are running across atlanta road just oh, as good as you can be with like traffic you know going every which way sometimes you have your daughter or your even your mm -hmm. son with you <laughs> on their bikes yes yeah Oh my gosh. Well, talk real quick too. We, um, I want you to talk because I know this is a big passion of yours is um, back on my feet. That's, I didn't know anything about it until you. So do a quick thing on that because I know that you're super dedicated um, to this. Sure. I'd love to. Um, so, so it's an back on my feet is an organization that started in um, Philadelphia. Um, I think it was 2009. Um, but we are now nationwide. Um, we have 12 chapters, uh, and Atlanta has, has a chapter, actually a couple different locations that we run out of, but, um, we run with men and women who are in transitional housing, which means that they're living in a shelter currently. Um, and it is a program that is designed to, really work with them in, in every 
you know, aspect of their life um, to get them back on their feet, to get them to be, um, you know, self-sufficient, um, which means that um, there could be, you know, things around education or trainings or certifications. Um, um, a number of them are going through uh, their own recovery journey. Um, and three mornings a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we run, depending on the shelter, either 5.30 a.m. or 5.45 a.m. And then on Saturdays, we get together around 7.30 and we run longer. And the guys and the, and the women, they have an opportunity to, to run. You know, we start off um, around two miles. And a number of them have gone on to run, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, marathons. Uh, it, it is just the most, you know, we were talking about gratifying before. Like, it is the most gratifying organization I've ever been a part of. Um, I've been a volunteer for seven years. This will be, you know, in my eighth year now, Um I lead the Monday morning run, so I'm always posting, you know, never miss a Monday, but <clears throat> excuse me, it's just such a, a phenomenal way to, to start start my day and start my week, and you look at these guys who, you know, some of them have never been runners, and, and they can't even run a block, and then they go on to not only do long distance running, you know, the running is the catalyst to really help them get back on their feet in a physical manner. Right. And, and we use that as kind of a, it's a team sport and we do it together, but to see them just kind of come alive um, is, is priceless. It is incredibly fulfilling. Um, I just, I, I feel so honored to be part of it, you know, and, and to watch them say, like, I didn't think that I could run one mile. And now that I can do one, let's see what, like, let's see what's possible. I wonder what my potential is. Um, and, and certainly it's not just the running, right? We watch them be reunited with their families. We watch them to go on and do incredible things um, with their own life and, and then come back as alumni members and, and contribute to the team, Um it's it just, you know, it's just beautiful. It's really just beautiful. And, and it's fun. We have yeah, so much fun. And we yeah. run in the rain. We run when it's snowing. We run if it's 110 degrees. Like, we run races together. We just, it's really an incredible sense of community. That's what it is. It's the community that, um, I, I, it's like, you know, I'm on year eight now, right? And I I couldn't see my life without it. Like, it's just, it's as much a part of who I am as any other part of who I am. Yeah, that is, it's beautiful to watch your journey with that on social media too. I'm like, dang, she never misses. Like you're, you're legit. When you say that you run out there in the snow and the rain and the other day when it was like 19 degrees or something, there you are. And raining. <laughs> I know today it was 20 something and we said, well, at least it's not raining like it was last weekend. <laughs> That's really cool. I'll, I'll be sure to link that just so people will be familiar with this because yes. I was, and, you know, even if you're not a runner, I mean, you can come volunteer with us. If you, if you're not interested in getting up super early in the morning, Saturdays might work for you, or maybe you volunteer in some other capacity there. That's always an option as well. It's, it's an incredible organization and I would be happy to talk to anybody about it. Yes. I'll be sure to link that. Um, Thank you. One, one last thing that I meant to mention this at the beginning. I also met you, not just like seeing you and saying, Oh my God, who's that chick? Who's that gorgeous chick? But I also met you at Orange Theory and uh, in Smyrna and yeah. you were doing like the uh, dry try, which is like a combination of everything. I don't even know what it is. I've never done it before, <laughs> <laughs> but they were getting Orange Theory Smyrna. They were letting you write on the mirror in front of you. I've told you this story, um, you know, what would motivate you or anything like names or whatever. They let you write whatever you wanted to. And I was working there at the time and I will never forget. This is when I knew like, I love this chick. Um, 
you wrote, I get to do this today. And you circled the get and you wrote it in big letters. And I was like, wow. Yep. And this is before I really knew like your entire story and that, you know, you're a cancer survivor and everything. But um, I remember, I remember that day and you circling that. And it's like, um, we get to do this. We get to do these Zooms. We get to see each other. We get to, you know, wake up in the morning and, and be in gratitude. And it's, it's such a gift. And um, Leslie, you're such a gift. And I'm so grateful that we got to record and that you agreed to come on here and share your story. And listen, you inspire me because you you put that out there. You put your message out there. You put it out on social media. You put it out there in the world. And even if it's one woman that is still in that suffering or like going through cancer or just found out she had cancer or at home drinking, whatever the case may be, it might just change one person's life and um you i admire you so much for that and that's what this podcast is for that's what it's about it's like if it changes one person then it's so worth it it's just so worth it and it's people like you that um i want to keep in my corner all the time because it it just makes my life great so thank you my friend Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You know, you just, you really just said it so eloquently. If, it, if one person were to hear this and just have a little bit of hope or just feel a little bit less alone, um, then, you know, then it was time well spent. And if not, then I enjoyed every single second just looking at your beautiful face. Um, you know, I think whether it's, addiction or a trauma or a diagnosis or whatever it is, like we all just want to know that there's someone there, that we're not alone. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're not, you know, no one, no one is alone. Um, So I appreciate the opportunity to, to be here and to talk to you. I love that, that you asked. I really am honored. Well, I'm going to keep on asking you. You can't run from me now. You're going to come back on in a few months. Maybe we'll have some fun episodes and this was fun, but we'll have, you know, I don't know what we'll do, but please be a often guest. And uh, (laughs) when it's safe to go out and everybody's vaccine, we'll uh, have a big reunion here at the house with our favorite people. And maybe we'll do a group podcast that'll be fun but um my friend I know that you've had a long day doing some great things and I hope that you get some chill time away from the screen and I love you so much and I'm just grateful for you and thank you for doing this thank you thank you I'll, I'll see you tomorrow